Before we get into the service, the message this morning, being that it is Veterans Day, I would certainly like to right now take time to recognize all of those that have ever served in the separate branches of the military of the United States of America. If you've served in the military or maybe now are serving, would you please honor us by allowing us to recognize that? Would you stand and just remain standing just for a moment? If you've served in the military in any, any capacity, there's, there are soldiers and there are Marines, there are Army folks, there are uh, sailors that are among us. And I just want to thank you. I want to say thank you as a congregation and as the United States of America to, to say thank you for your service and for your sacrifice. Folks, could we recognize them with a round of applause? Thank you so much. We enjoy our freedoms because of these, those who have given everything. We enjoy this country. We enjoy the freedoms that we have, the, the, the freedom of the press, the freedom of religion, the freedoms that, we, that on the laws, we would not have that had we not had the, the men and the women to actually lay their lives on the line and sacrifice for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. This morning, we are going to focus in on the good soldier. And we take the text out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. Read silently with me as I uh, read aloud. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, Paul speaks to Timothy, his begotten son, his, his son in the ministry. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Here's where he puts in the illustration, the comparison of the Christian to the soldier. He says, be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that these next few moments that you give us, that we would indeed um, see the blessings, see the comparisons, see the teaching that you'd like for us to understand about our service for you, Lord. And we, again, we thank you for those who have been soldiers here in this country to provide us with the freedoms that we have and the, and, the, and the security and the safety that we enjoy. Lord, thank you so much for that. I pray, Lord, now that you'd help us to see the, the necessity and, and the, the characteristics of a good soldier and how that we can be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd bless, bless in all that's said and done right here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, we celebrate our veterans on what we call Veterans Day. It used to be called Armistice Day and then changed and all, but we, we celebrate Veterans Day today. We can look at some essential characteristics that make a great soldier. As Christian soldiers of the cross, we can benefit by the parallels of military life, and we can all aspire to be the best for the Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. 
A Veterans Day is traditionally observed on November 11th. And the reason is because it was commemorating the end of World War I, actually. And it occurred, and this is interesting because and it's pertinent, it occurred on the 11th hour of the 11th day on the 11th month of 1918. That was 100 years ago precisely to right now. This hour. So it is exactly 100 years ago this hour that the great war, that they called it, came to an end. That was dubbed the war to end all wars. And men were so hopeful to have learned the lesson of war, hoping to never have to fall to such awful brutalities again. But of course, soon afterwards, another global conflict broke out as World War II. While Veterans Day is to commemorate peace, this whole world hasn't seen peace since the time that man has occupied the earth. As a matter of fact, even pre-World War II theologians were quick to misapply global peace references to that time after World War I, and they thought, it's over, we're never doing that again. And they looked at verses like Micah chapter 4, And they applied it to that time. They said, here's where it applies. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. They said, this is it. But that's a clear reference to the millennial kingdom, the reign of the Messiah, and that hadn't taken place yet. That's going to take place after the second coming of Christ. What's wrong with men? Why can't we just all get along, as the phrase that we've heard? Well, James nails it this way. It's due to our sinful nature, James chapter 4, verse number 1. From whence come wars? A good question. Why do we have war? Can we not stop with the war? Can we not stop with the battle, with the fighting? From whence come wars and fightings among us, among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? You lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So he says, basically and foundationally, war become, comes from our lust, from our inordinate desire for evil things, or for things that are not ours, or, or things that are, or, are uh, others. And this is why there is sorrow and there's woe in the world, and that's because of the sinful nature sown into the heart of man. It wasn't like that to begin with, only because of and since Adam's fall and the curse. Death, decay, and discord ever since. The Bible makes it clear, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 17. And unto Adam he said, because... Thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, 
and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. That's the problem, folks. That is why war. See, there's coming a permanent armistice day, but until then, while men will never get to world peace here without Christ, an individual can find peace with God. And that's what God announced to mankind in Luke chapter 2 through the angel. He said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And he says in verse 14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So till then, we'll be dealing with injustices and thefts and civil unrest and national discontentment and military conquest. Because that's where we are, and that's, that's our condition today. I want to say this on the, on the recognition of Veterans Day here in this great nation that God has established, and I believe that God has established this nation for freedom and for the preaching of the gospel and for, for uh, um, uh, a, a, a portion of peace and safety and, and a, a vision of what can happen when the foundations are built upon his word and his principles. See, folks, I'm proud of this nation who for the most part has only engaged in war to protect itself or to promote freedoms for others. You've heard of this quote and the story that goes like this. When at a conference in England, Colin Powell was asked by the Archbishop of Canterbury if Our plans for the Iraq war were just an example of empire building by George Bush. This is what he said, and I quote, Over the years, the United States has sent many of its fine young men and women into great peril to fight for freedom beyond our borders. The only amount of land we have ever asked for in return is enough to bury those that did not return. I became very quiet in that room. And thus we, we owe such a great debt of, of gratitude to our soldiers and to those who have laid down their lives. Now the passage that we read about soldiers in, in uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, it concerns the life and the aspiration and the goals of a good soldier. And in uh, chapter 2, verse number 3 of 2 Timothy, the Bible says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier... Of Jesus Christ. So let's look at what it means to be a good soldier. We're just going to do that, look at that, and then we're going to be done this morning. A good soldier, number one, trains to be strong. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible gives many examples of soldiers that have trained and have uh, uh, um, honed their skills and their 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 proficiency with either shield or sword or or a, a sling and stone or or a, a strength building. And here Paul tells Timothy in verse number one. You remember he says, "Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus." A soldier trains to be strong with diet and exercise rest and training, to be the best. A soldier is to man up. A soldier is to 
endure the hardships of being on the battlefield. And so uh, it's, he's got to be strong. She's got to be strong. So number one, a good soldier trains to be strong. Number two, a good soldier trains new troops, those that are coming in behind him. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 2, he says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That training is so vitally important for any military and for the gospel, for any church, for the conquest of the Lord's church here on earth. He says, our job is to train others, not just to do the job ourselves, but to get those that are coming along and training those. And, and, and so, so the gospel will continue and it won't die in this generation. Folks, this church is involved in that. This church is involved in training others. We're looking forward to the ordination of our own assistant pastor, Brother Chip Nill. Looking forward to that. Invite others, submit your theological questions. Uh, that day when we have the um, interrogation, or should we call it the inquisition, you know, you can bring popcorn to watch him squirm, you know, and, and you know, put, put him to the test and, and lay hands and, and uh, uh, to ordain him for the gospel ministry. Thank the Lord we're, we're able to do that, folks. It's our job to re- re- reproduce our faith in others, to re- reproduce churches, to get behind church planting, to duplicate our faith. Hey, listen, what you're to do as a soldier of Jesus Christ is you're to uh, reproduce yourself, your faith in the life of others. How many have you? Are, you? are you active in training others to take your place? Folks, that's what we all ought to be involved with. And that's what the church ought to be involved with. A good soldier trains new troops. A good soldier trains for endurance. Look at what verse number three of our text says. Thou therefore, he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of of Jesus Christ. Folks, this is not a 50-yard dash. This is a marathon. Now, I know we have several in the church that run the 27 and a half mile marathons uh, periodically, and I think they're crazy. I I really do. I can't even run a 50-yard dash any longer, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I do that in my dreams, but that's about it, you know. Um, but, folks, uh, there's a difference between, uh, you know, just a, a mad dash or over an entire lifetime of fidelity. And that's what a good soldier is. A good soldier endures hardness. He endures. He keeps on. He's faithful. He, he keeps on keeping on. And a good soldier has got to train so that he will not give out. It's the long haul. It's the picture of, of, of the next generation coming along. Hey, listen, you parents. Now, we heard that in, in uh, Sunday school in Brother uh, Lamar's class. He talked about becoming a parent and saying, now I have a child, and I want him to get the faith. I want him to... And folks, that's, that's an endurance of a fidelity of a life to be able to hand that off. But a good soldier trains for endurance. So a good soldier trains to be strong. A good soldier trains new troops. A good soldier trains for endurance. And finally, a good soldier trains to focus. He's got to be able to focus. He's got to be able to to draw it in to what is most important and his goal. He says in verse 4, No man that warreth, Entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. 
that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. Listen, you're going on the battlefield. You're not worried about those other things. You're not worried about other... No, no, you've got, you've got one thing to worry about, and that's being a good soldier. That's your focus on, on, on the, the battle before you. Nobody, he says, no man that wars entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Remember that uh, uh, magazine cover? I think it was Look back in, in uh, 1948 or whatever it was, 46, where uh, uh, it's a famous picture that was on the battlefield that uh, uh, at Dunkirk there were there were uh, body parts and cadavers everywhere and blood and weapons and helmets and and there was a, a guitar there floating on the on the beach a classical guitar an old box guitar might have been taken by one of the soldiers to say, well, yeah, once we uh, make this beach and we all get around the fire, then we'll, you know, have a great time. It wouldn't like that. You know, a soldier, he, he doesn't have the time, he doesn't have the, 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 the ability to think of anything else. He doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this life. If you're going to be a good soldier, a good soldier must put Focus on the battlefield. It's this dedication to the battle, the cause, and especially his commander that makes the difference. He must be dedicated. He must be focused. He's got to be committed. He must be unentangled with the things of this world. His, his aspiration is he must be the best that he can possibly be for his commander. Let me, let me ask you the question, how entangled are you concerning things that would detract your effectiveness for your commander? How entangled are you concerning things that would defile your conscience so that you're not the best for the commander, for the captain of our salvation, that would divide your loyalty and your love for Christ? We, we know of the example of just recently of Bo Bergdahl who was there on the battlefield and went AWOL and uh, seemed to be absorbed into the enemy and maybe uh, began to become uh, sympathetic with the enemy's rhetoric, propaganda, until they decided, no, no, here was an opportunity to uh, cause hurt to an American, to uh, one of the enemy's soldiers, and was captured and then, then uh, was released. And you know the whole story. What happened? Uh, the, the focus was off. It's no longer understanding what you're there for. No longer realizing, hey, wait a minute, I have a job and I am, I am called, I, my, my uh, 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 life right now is to defend our nation and to, and to fight and, and to, to stave off the enemy. You've got to be focused. A, a, a soldier must have focus. When a soldier enters the battlefield, everything else in life becomes secondary. He's got to give it all. 
Now, maybe that's not been, been true in the past, but at that point, at that, that moment, he must give it all for the cause, for survival, for victory. He must be committed. Folks, I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord who has chosen me to be his soldier. You're in the army now, and it's the, the Lord's army. And he says, listen, I've, I have a job for you to do. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. God has chosen you. God has actually put you in the Lord's army, in his forces. You are now in the army and your job and your focus and your commitment and your attention. You've got to be unentangled. You must be committed to the cause. He's chosen me to bring him glory. He's chosen you to fellowship with him, to be effective in service for his kingdom. I don't want to let him down. I want to win the medals. I want to hear him say someday, well done. You're a good soldier. You've been a good soldier. How about you? Now listen, if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's looking for a few good men (laughs) and women and young people. He's got a spot for you. Soldiers, Let's be all that we can for the Lord. Let's, let's pay attention to what Paul told Timothy. Be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment.